Welcome to the Roundtable on Dog Posts. Dean Luggy joined by uh, the state's uh, Josh Kendall. Josh covers South Carolina Gamecocks and has covered the SEC for coming on 20 years almost. Isn't that right, Josh? Something like that? Wow. Yeah, that is right. That's uh, Yeah, that's depressing, but it's right. Depressing, but accurate. <laughs> well, it's better than the alternative. Look, uh, we're a week. We're it's the week following SEC Media Days. What um, what did you make of Media Days? And then we'll go into what you learned. I mean, no no one here is necessarily going to care about the switch from Birmingham to Atlanta, but that happened. What did you make of Media Days, generally speaking? Well, I mean, I think we talked about this uh, last time. That it, it's I think it's just a TV show now. So I think as a TV show, it worked probably well well for them. Um, it was different for, for those of us who have been going forever just to find our way around and the kind of stuff that nobody else cares about. But I thought that in terms of content and useful things and interesting things, it was pretty low. Now, that yeah. just could be because it was a pretty quiet offseason. You know, you didn't – that there's not a lot of drama in the offseason. So a lot of times, media day is, is, is most interesting when there's been something – a scandal or two or something in the summer that folks are kind of catching up on and just getting the opportunity to talk to people about, et cetera, et cetera. There's just none of that this year. You know, I think Aaron Murray's comments about Jeremy Pruitt were the only thing that sort of got the pulse going a little bit, and that was, you know, by any standard, pretty tame stuff. But that was, you know, that was the headline of this week, last week. Yeah, last week. What do you, I mean, the thing that, the only thing that, I don't know about bothered, the thing that I didn't understand about what Aaron's of the Pruitt Aaron thing was why did why was Paul Feinbaum so adamant that the, the way it sounded to me that Aaron shouldn't have said that or he was sort of criticizing Aaron for saying that that that's do you have an explanation for that or did I did I read that did I, did I see that wrong? Well, I I don't know. I, I no, I don't have an explanation for that, and I didn't hear Paul's comments and. I can speak from personal experience. I can give you, you know, I can give you three examples from last week alone. One of which being Aaron's comments that a typed comment on Twitter resonates very differently in many cases from the way it was said. If you, the same person viewed the same words on Twitter or heard them in their context, would take it take it completely differently. So I don't know, I don't know what Paul was trying to say with that with that quote and, and without hearing it, I'm not going to venture a guess. Right. But I, I think that anybody who would try to say, we don't want to hear what Aaron Murray has to say about this, is foolish on a variety of levels. A, right. Aaron Murray is pretty close to the subject. B, we hire all these people because we do want to hear what they have to say. And so it frustrates me when there is backlash for anybody who says something different from the party line. Why do we have? Why do we hire all these people if they're all going to say the same thing? We should be saying. I mean, I, I, I appreciated Aaron Murray's comments for shining a light that maybe only he could shine on a subject. I don't think he. Mess, I mean, I didn't think he ripped Jeremy Pruitt. I thought that he gave an honest opinion based on his understanding of the facts that gave the story more context, more information. I mean. That's exactly what an analyst should do. So anybody who says you shouldn't be saying that, I don't think understands the job of an analyst. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And and obviously, I, the the thing about this, I, I should 
remove Paul from it because I didn't. I, I like I said I read it on. I saw what he said to a TV station actually. Now that I think about it, and it it didn't come off so hot to me. But Paul knows what he's doing, and he's no dummy. And and frankly, I don't know why. <clears throat> I don't know why we have to. And this is not directed toward Paul Feinbaum. This is directed towards just everyone. You know. People will say, well, you know, you didn't play college football. Why, why does it matter what you think? And then someone said, it doesn't, what, Jeremy, excuse me, Aaron, Aaron Murray has never been a head coach. What does it matter what he says? Well, Jeremy Pruitt's never been a head coach. I mean, are we really going down this rabbit hole? I mean, Aaron is a an accomplished quarterback, one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in SEC history. Um, he just, he is. But even if he weren't, even if we're just some guy on the street, and he said, "All right, you know, I was a I was a student assistant at Georgia. I was the third string, you know, fullback at Georgia, and I was there during the time of Jeremy Pruitt. Or all my buddies were on that team. What what they have to say does matter, and it has context. I think that for Aaron, we can talk about Jeremy in a minute, but for Aaron, he was doing his job, and I think it's very important that those of us who." Um, have a megaphone and can be critical uh, that we do it because if you if you don't say what is the truth as you see it at that moment you're really doing your you're really doing your audience a disservice and you know Aaron's job and anyone's job Gary Danielson Paul Feinbaum their job is to critique and analyze it's not to make friends and I think that that's the part that gets lost in all of this for Jeremy, I think that, you know, I, I don't know so much that he handled it great. He didn't handle it poorly. He handled it fine. And I think that there's, I think too quickly, and I've seen this in, in the type of reporting that I do, which is a lot of anonymous sources, but I can assure you everyone knows these who these people are. They're just not interested in playing the um, why did you say that ball game. Um I think it's everyone always wants to make something black or white, and it's just so much gray. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt has been a success pretty much everywhere he's gone, but people are just saying, hey, you know, the way he handled stuff at Georgia was not great. And for the record, before he got to Georgia, I got a call from someone who covered Florida State who said he did not handle his departure there good at all. It's all, it's all what right. you, it's a lot, we're falling too much too into a trap of this affirms my particular point of view, therefore it is more true than what does not form my particular point of view. And, you know, Twitter is, is not great. It doesn't help with this. No, it's, it's like most, I mean, it's akin to Facebook, et cetera, where you can just get in your silo and only hear what you want to hear. You're on, on silo and only hear what you want to hear, but I think our job is our sort of the collective media job is to add as much b- balanced detail as we can to every story. And I thought Aaron did that. And I thought that anybody who is jumping on him for doing that is either a a Tennessee fan, right? Uh, uh, and, and these and these people who are squawking about you've never been a head coach. How do you know? These are the same. My guess is the same idiot squawking about every third down call. And they've never, you know, they've never called plays. So you know, well, you know, why why do you need tired you know, of that argument? Yeah, I mean, I I'm not a chef, but I know what some when something doesn't taste good, 
And right. that's my that's always been my analogy. You know, if you if you can if you can complain about food at a restaurant but you've never worked in a commercial kitchen, then you know, I can complain about I can say that was a dumb third down call, even though I've never been a football coach. So there's plenty of dumb third down calls and, and sometimes frankly right. Sometimes they're not dumb calls. They just appear to be that way because the defense made a great play. Right. That happens too. That's the world of gray that I'm talking about. You know, speaking of Tennessee and, and, um, you know, the whole thing, were you surprised at all in any way that – well, let me go through the the picks for uh, for the season. And, and, you know, it was Alabama, unsurprisingly, was – was predicted by the media to to win the league. Georgia right behind them, um, not 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 right behind them, but behind them nonetheless. Uh, it goes in the West. It went Alabama relatively decisively um, over Auburn, then State, then A and M, LSU, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Poor Chad Kelly. I saw him. Josh, nobody knows who Chad Kelly is. Not Chad Kelly. What's his name? Why I got even got his name wrong? Chad Chad Morris. <laughs> Chad Morris. <laughs> That's awesome. Chad Kelly, Chad Kelly is better known than Chad Morris. So your point, your point stands. Uh, in the East, Georgia really did landslide. The just like Alabama, um, they are the overwhelming favorite to get back to Atlanta. South Carolina with eight votes. The Gators, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Why is Tennessee that low? I mean, I do think that it's it's it just it really is. Does he have that far to go up there? I think he does. I mean, this is a program that's 26 and 54 in the last 10 years of SEC play. Tennessee, I think people tend to think, and this, and everybody does this, but so I'm not, I don't want to mean to pick on Tennessee people, but this is just where they are now. They think we're a powerhouse. We're close to being back there. Well, if you look at it objectively, I don't see any reason to believe that they're close to being back there. 26 win SEC wins in the last 10 years is Vandy. That's, that's hard to they've believe. Lost, they've lost four of six to Vandy, speaking of the Commodores. They don't have a quarterback that I know of. You know, so where, why, why do we think Tennessee is going to be any good? If you just look at it objectively and don't think that it's 1992 again, you think, well, Tennessee's a pretty bad football team right now. Let me ask you this. Um, is the SEC East ever really going to be where it needs <clears throat> to be nationally? Not that this really matters, but can you go with a trio of Georgia, Florida, and Carolina rather than Georgia, the Gators, and Tennessee? Yes, I think you can. I think you need three. I think you need three really competitive teams, and I think that two of them need to be brand names. Well, you've got um, the Gators, you know, didn't have a good year last year either, but they are totally a brand, brand name. Yeah. Right. They're a brand name. And I think, yes, I think absolutely that the East can be um, just as, I, I, I think there's no difference. Honestly, I don't think there's any difference from sort of a division strength standpoint. If you've got Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee duking it out, or Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina. I think, I think South Carolina fits into, you know, would, do, would have the same value as a Tennessee. I just, I, I certainly, I certainly know, you know, would have never thought, or I would have had a hard time believing ever that South Carolina would, would be past Tennessee in terms of the programs, but they are. 
And yeah. I mean, they, there's no question they oh, are yeah. now. Absolutely. That Tennessee's in, Tennessee, or excuse me, South Carolina's in much better shape. They're a better football team at the moment. They're a better program. I would wager that in 2019 when this football complex opens, um, they'll have better facilities. There'll be no reason, yeah. there is no reason at the moment to say, well, yeah, Tennessee's definitely going to surpass South Carolina because that's just the way it is. I think no, I'm not saying that won't happen. I'm just saying to say Tennessee will eventually be back and knock South Carolina down. I'm not sure that's reality at the moment. In the landscape of the East, <clears throat> you know, Mike Stoops has actually not done that bad of a job at Kentucky. I, I don't think. Um, if you have, hadn't done that good of a job either. Now, what is that? What is the difference there? I would say that sort of thing. I just want to know what you mean by that. He's won 12 SEC games in five years. I mean, I think you think that uh, it's Mark Stoops. I think it's, I think it's Mark Stoops. You yeah, said I, Mark, I, I, I know nothing. And, I, I heard Chad Kelly was and I have to think, at Kentucky. And I have to think about it. The Mark Stoops. The Mark, they, why, why would you name your kids Mark and Mike? You know, come on. That's just that's not our fault. That's their fault. So he's won 12 SEC games in five years. I mean, I know it's Kentucky, but that's, that's not good. Um, if you take away an inexplicable four-game winning streak against South Carolina, you can't though. You know, honest, it should be nine games, you know, or ten games or something. I know you can't, but I'm saying there have been a couple of peaks. I use that or I use air quotes. I know you can't see them, but I'm using air quotes it, that we all remember and think, yeah, they might be. You know, they, they're doing a pretty good job at Kentucky. But when you look at the whole thing, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying on that program. They've had some pretty. You know, you they've had not, some. They've had not very good losses up there for sure lately. Um, yeah, I know people right. are not tuning into this to hear us talk about uh, Kentucky, but I just am sitting here looking at the East and. But look, Georgia's a favorite, and one of the things that Kirby talked about this week, and and it was interesting. Georgia got in and out of media days. I mean, it was like they weren't there. It felt like to me. Am I wrong? No, no, but I, mean, I think that was part of the, the setup that they had. You know, it was kind of a whirlwind, and people were spread out further physically than they had been in the past, and so you just didn't you didn't see people as much as you as you were used to seeing them milling about. Georgia, you know, though Kirby did say this week, this past week, that Justin Fields. Well, he didn't name Justin Fields. He said that their backup quarterback, their number two quarterback, that it was not in the cards for that player to redshirt, and I'm assuming. That the backup is Justin Fields. I don't know why it would be anything other than that. But um, Kirby's going to burn the red shirt, and he don't even care. He he said it's, it, he basically said it would be stupid not to do it. Uh, my words, not his. But what do you make of that? I mean, South Carolina doesn't have that situation. Very few schools across the league. Most schools can't figure out who their quarterback is, it seems like, or they're not real happy with them. But at Georgia, right. it seems like they are happy with who they've got, and yet they're going to put someone else in there. What do you make of that um, decision? I mean, it is it is certainly a new world of college football. Guys are not just going to hang out in red shirt. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, I think we're essentially in the post-red shirting era of college football. And now, now that you've got this four-game rule, I think we yeah. that makes it official. I mean, I just don't, I, I just don't imagine anybody redshirting anymore because, from these coaches' perspectives, they understand the the vast amount. I mean, just look at the attrition 
between the 25, whatever, in theory, that you bring in as freshmen and how many players you see walk on senior day every year. There is tremendous attrition for a variety of reasons. And to especially now, bank on a guy's fifth year for in, in you know, to, to play the long game, nobody's playing the long game anymore. No. Part of it's these guys come in a little more prepared. Part of it, especially at the quarterback position, is these coaches know, and I'm not blaming the kids because I think the kids are exactly right, but these coaches know that quarterbacks are going to take off. You know, what, they lose the job, they're, gonna get, they're gone. And they sit down for a year, they're gone. So from, from, a, from a Georgia perspective, from a team perspective, yes, I think it would be. I think it would be dumb to say we're going to redshirt Justin Fields. And from a Fields perspective, um, you know, he's not in, – in his mind, I imagine, I'm not, I don't know the kid at all, um, but I'm saying in, in his mind, if you told him um, your senior year is going to be – your senior year in college is going to be great, he would laugh at you and say, you know, I, I'm not going to be a senior in college. That's, you know, that doesn't even equate to him, I don't think. You know, so he doesn't care. He wants to play now. School wants him to play now. Um, quarterbacks are becoming, and I think it's. I think that the that the the transferability of the quarterback position now is why Justin Fields came to Georgia. I think it's just become so accepted that okay, if it doesn't work out here, I'm going to transfer. I'm going to go somewhere else. So in the past, where maybe there was more taboo about that, but that was less accepted around college football, a Justin Fields might have had to think long, longer and harder about coming somewhere where a Jake Fromm just went to the national title game. Now he can come. If he likes Georgia, he says, you know what, I'm going to see how it works. If it doesn't work, it's all right. There's always whoever or whoever or whoever. Well, the, yeah. you know, the thing about it is, too, that with, um, you know, when Justin committed to Georgia, it's it certainly didn't seem for sure that Jake Fromm was the lockdown starter of the program. There was still plenty of speculation that Jacob Eason would be back uh, to take on the rest of the season. Um, by by the time he signed, sure, he definitely was, you know, it was pretty obvious and evident what was going on with Fromm. He had just won in the league. Uh, but I think there's so much that goes into this decision now that didn't in the past. Um, the transfer rule, totally. I mean, that totally matters. And the other thing, too, is Jake Fromm can get hurt. I mean, you just you don't you're not guaranteed anything in, in college football. You've seen it. You've seen it at Georgia recently, so you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the last quarterback who started the season at Georgia to finish the season as the starter uh, was Grayson Lambert in 2015, but even he was replaced for you know Hudson Mason. His last game knocked out of the game. Aaron Murray knocked out of the game. Uh, Joe Cox was never knocked out of a game. But it happens at quarterback. DJ Shockley, uh, David Green was knocked out of t- a game as a, as a starter. He got back in there, but he was certainly knocked out of the LSU game. Uh, but lately, the, very, the Georgia's best players, whether it was Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Aaron Murray, they all were hurt and did not finish seasons. So that you have you know, capable backups, and maybe not just capable backups, but very good backups, means that you have an insurance policy for injury. But a lot of people, Josh, would say, well, it's not just that. I mean, Justin Fields is pushing Jake Fromm. This isn't who's going to be the starter, but it is how much time is Fields going to play. And do you think that, how much do you think that matters, good and or bad? And um, 
how much will well from your perspective, hours away from Athens, how much do you think that Georgia fans should expect Justin Fields to play this fall? That's a great question. I wish. I mean, I guess I wish I had the answer. It it strikes me as the potential, the negative potential is greater than the positive potential, and the reason I say that is because Jake Fromm took the team to the national championship. I know he didn't carry the team; it's not on his shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. But Jake Fromm played quarterback for the team that had a, a really great season and a really great offense, and played for the national title. And so the, the 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 potential to go higher than that is there's not much. There's just one more step. The potential to go lower for that is a great. And so if by inserting and trying to insert another quarterback into that situation that makes the whole thing run a little clunkier, then I think you're potentially hurting yourself. That you know, that doesn't mean that I mean I think so much of that is how does Jake Crom handle the situation, how's Justin Fields handling the situation. How good is Justin Fields? Is he really as good as everybody says he's, he is? No, he's We've never good. seen him. He's, he's, I mean, We've I've never seen, seen him play, not in college, but he's really, very good. So he, was, he was a better he, he was better in high school than Jake Fromm was in high school. And Jake Fromm was very good in high school. So if he comes out and is better than Jake Fromm next year, does he, does he become the starter? And then yes. Jake Fromm transfer? Yes, he does. Oh, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, this is, a, this is a new world at Georgia. I mean... It's a new, it's a new. I mean, it's a new world everywhere. But but yeah, it's a new world in Georgia. And then, how do Georgia fans feel? You know, what what is a Georgia fans feeling if Justin Fields comes out and uh-huh. is freaking great, me, sets the me. world on fire? Mm-hmm. And Jake, we never, you never hear from Jake Fromm again. And he transfers. This Did, kid who is like this kid who's Georgia through and through, and Jake Fromm and, and led to the national championship game, and he never hits the field again and ends up playing at. Um, I don't know. Wherever. First of all, does that bother a Georgia fan? Does this, does Georgia win a national championship or two with this with change? Justin, yeah, I'm asking. Right. Yeah. Right. No. no fans. That, fans. Fans do not care. And I can yeah. I can say that with complete confidence. Yeah. When you start thinking yeah, about right. 2016 G Day, you would have thought the Messiah was out there on the field when Jake uh, when Justin when excuse me when Jake Fromm threw. When just when Jacob Eason threw um, his first touchdown or what first long ball of the the day, it, it was as loud as that right. stadium has been certainly ever for a spring game. But in many games, it's never that loud. People were that ready. They don't care about him at all anymore. I mean, they didn't care yeah, about him. At, yeah. I mean, they just didn't. So they are they are. They have no, there are no allegiances. There are no, you know, right. that doesn't exist. I mean, if, they're, if their starting quarterback was a combination of, you know, Mussolini, Hitler, and, and Stalin, they'd be all of, they'd be, they'd be like, well, can he, you know, can he beat Alabama? They're, they're all for it. They don't care. And, and, and you know, and it, it does make me think a little bit about Clemson's situation. You know, Trevor Lawrence, the five-star quarterback who's going up there, and and you know people are ready to run off a kid who who got Clemson to the playoff and won the ACC championship. Um, like winning ACC championships is just something that is supposed to happen at Clemson all the time when it hadn't for right. decades. Um, right. 
you know, the expectation of something new when what you've got isn't perfect is really, it's totally human nature, but it's, it's unfair to Kelly Bryant, who's the starting quarterback up there. It's unfair to Trevor Lawrence for sure. And it's really unfair to the expectations of the fans. I mean, the fans don't, they just want to win in a big way. They just, they want everything to go yeah. right. That's it. And they, they don't understand right. that you do lose sometimes. And sometimes you're not the better team. Right. I've seen that but happen But you're right. I mean, I, I, think, I think you're right. If Justin Fields comes in and is great and makes the point and play for national championship, nobody will remember Jake Fromm's name. And that's just the nature of the business. They won't. They'll, they'll know and say it's too bad. But I, I also don't, you know, I, I, I do want to say this too. People talk about Jake Fromm and he's all Georgia and all this stuff. Jake Fromm was committed to Alabama. The kids that are not from middle Georgia and don't turn their hats on backwards, maybe they're from inner city Atlanta, they can be just as Georgia as Jake Fromm. Okay? And, you know, you're, you're, you're regurgitating a line that we have just sort of – go ahead. I believe that what you say is true. I completely agree with you. And Justin Justin Fields is agrees. Justin Fields is not at all from inner city Atlanta. I just right. know friends of mine who played at Georgia from inner city Atlanta, and they were Georgia through and through. Period. And everybody needs to slow. Everybody needs to slow down the. I mean, Jake, let's. Jake Fromm is a wonderful representative of the university for for the most part. I mean, there's very few things he's when he's not sent to the hospital for some ridiculous thing or another, you know, he's a great representative of the university, but there's a lot of guys that bleed Georgia and they're not all from middle Georgia and they don't all fish and they don't all hunt and, you know, they don't all sing country music. Um, so I just, you know, it, that gets old to me. I, I understand. I, and I think, I think you're right. And I agree with you completely. But I'm, but there's a large percentage of Georgia fans. Oh, this, this is very large. The other way, they do, and that's right. They're what? wrong. they I said this. It's more than. It's more than a majority. I mean, it's a, a heavy majority. But they're. But they're. Right. But I mean, they're wrong. I mean, Georgia isn't just Middle Georgia. It's Atlanta and Savannah and North Georgia and Fannin County and all these places in between. <laughs> I mean. It's Cleveland, Georgia, with the Cabbage Patch Kids, and and Forsyth, Georgia, in the middle of town, or Sim- or Donaldsonville in the corner. I mean, everywhere that's Georgia is Georgia. So I get annoyed as someone who grew up in the suburbs. As someone who grew up in the suburbs, that you know, we have to assume that something. You know, everybody, all those kids up there. The eighty as my my count right now is eighty four kids on scholarship at Georgia. All of them are Georgia, and that Jake Fromm is the spotlight kid right now. You're gonna tell me Aaron Murray, who is from Tampa, and about as not Georgia as you can get is Tampa. All right. I mean, Aaron is totally Georgia. So, um, you know, everybody needs to understand these these kids are not gonna fit your stereotypes all the time, and and that's okay. Nope. Sorry. Sorry. Quit stereotypes. I didn't make them. Everybody can't be from Florence, Josh. Everybody can't be a, a giant gamecock or a 
you know, that guy from Orangeburg who, you know, really loves Greenwood, Greenwood, Greenwood. wherever, you know, I can, I can, I can give you a lot of names of small towns, South Carolina, if you're very interested. Uh, I don't think, no, I'm not, you're not not at all. Further discussion about when does South Carolina start there? August 3rd. August 3rd. How nice that you, how nice that you know that. I'm ready, man. So that should that should mean that should mean Georgia would be right on top of that time too. So that's a couple, you know, next week. Yeah, that's right. Right. I mean, it is right around the corner. Are you? Do you get? We're after media days here. Have you? Is there something going on in your blood sugar? Like, is there? Is it ramped up yet? No, I'm. I'm. I'm about there. So we haven't had any preseason practices yet, which means I'm about three preseason three practices away from being sick of preseason practice. And ready for football games. I mean, that's that. That's so. That's the stage I'm in. You know, it'll it'll take it may may only take thirty minutes of one practice before me and probably every other fan is like, okay, let's just play. Come on, here we let's play. The, you, know, uh, you know, my favorite nice part. My my favorite part of August are actually the high school football games. Believe it or not, where everyone yeah. everyone is kind of um, getting the wrinkles out before they start. Um, yeah, that's my favorite part of of August is. The disaster that, when, are, that are these scrimmages. Yeah, I don't know when that start. When high school season starts here? Well, in in Georgia, and I don't know. Somebody might know better, but the the I, I anticipate that they will start scrimmages on the tenth of August. So that's you know, like two, not right. even two weeks away, and then actual games start on April sixteenth. So we are not at all far away from um, where we are playing. And we're going to wrap up right. this week's version of the roundtable. Josh Kendall and Dean Leggy. Josh, thanks for joining me this week. Next week we'll have, uh, well, I don't know what we'll talk about necessarily. Something I'm sure will pop up. But until then, uh, stay tuned to Dog Post. Josh, thanks for joining me this week. Absolutely.